Hello, everyone. I'm Marcus Robertson, Assistant Editor with Becker's Hospital Review. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast today. Mental health disorders are the costliest health conditions in the U.S., with annual spending over $200 billion. And that's with fewer than 50% of those with mental health disorders accessing treatment per 2020 numbers. So today, we're going to be talking about how an integrated and collaborative approach with behavioral health care can improve outcomes and reduce costs at the same time. And we have a great slate of guests joining the conversation today, starting with Dr. Ben Zaniello, who is the Chief Medical Officer for Point Click Care. We are also joined by three leaders from the University of Virginia Health's Medicine Home Program. We have Teresa Radford, Clinical Program Coordinator. We have Dr. Amber Infuentes, Medical Director. And we have Guy Lucian, who is a licensed clinical social worker and psychotherapist. Together, they're all going to help us discover how the university is using technology to help patients with chronic medical and behavioral health conditions get the care they need when they need it to improve outcomes and decrease costs associated with unnecessary hospitalizations and readmissions. So thank you, Dr. Zaniello, Teresa, Dr. Fuentes, and Guy so much for talking with us all today. You're so welcome. Thank you for having us. Super excited to talk about this. Beautiful. All right. Well, let's dive in. I'll go ahead and uh, actually, I'll start with you, Dr. Zaniello. There is a ton of focus on mental health these days, um, but so many of the people right now who need behavioral health treatment just are not accessing it. From a physician's perspective, what do you think is standing in the way for patients? Access is definitely the watchword here, and I think it's actually beyond simple access, but it's personalized access in the sense of mental health is not one size fits all. The type of care a person needs can depend very much on the, the patient, the particular um, crisis or circumstance, and then ultimately the care setting they find themselves. So while I say access, it's not enough just to say, well, we have this um, phone line, we have an emergency room. We need personalized access, access to providers that know you and can help you as a individual. The example I always use here is the emergency department, which is widely seen as the most accessible point of care, which is why many go there in moments of crisis. Um, sure, it is accessible to everyone, but we need to make it more personalized so that when you go to the emergency room, it's not simply you are an undifferentiated patient seeing a new provider for the first time. We want them to be able to anticipate uh, your needs and know about you, not just from that moment of crisis in the emergency room where it's really difficult to transmit information about yourself, but from all the providers that know you best uh, in, the, uh, in the wild outside the emergency room and therefore be able to tailor your particular care to you, that crisis and everything that they then know about you. So again, I would focus on personalized access is one of the biggest opportunities we have in mental health. Personalized access specifically. You said we want to know about you as a patient to be able to anticipate your needs. Um, and obviously, you know, providers are going to play a really important part in that. But how can sort of the broader care ecosystem come together to, to you know, 
ensure that patients are getting the help that they need. Well, Marcus, I, I do think that programs like ours, like the Medicine Hope Home Program, is one way to achieve that goal. I think as Dr. Zaniello just pointed out, it's so important for a patient who shows up to a complicated large healthcare system, whether they enter through an outpatient clinic or whether they show up in the emergency department, um, to on arrival not have to um, re-explain the entirety of their medical history, their mental health history, um, and to know that the person who's going to be evaluating them, the doctor or nurse, has some sense of what their needs are really from before they meet them. Um, and so I think that you know one of the ways that we've worked to achieve that with our program is that we um, develop individualized care plans, um, a concept that was introduced in the literature you know, um, you know, a decade or so ago, and a lot of health systems use these, but um, it's a, a, a document that lives in the EMR and then can be transmitted to health systems really across the state and even beyond through uh, the um, uh, health information exchange utilizing things like point-click care. And so that then becomes a document where, you know, a doc can um, pull it up, get a really quick one-page snapshot of who this person is, uh, what are the things that they frequently come to the hospital with, what is the best way to help care for them, um, and you know, complicated issues often that are in there related to behavioral health history, mental health history. In addition to that, in our team, you, don't, you get more than just that individualized care plan. You also get uh, um, people like Teresa Radford, our clinical nurse, as well as Guy Lucian, the social worker, who uh, know the person really, really well and can then connect directly with that emergency department nurse or doctor um, to go meet the patient in the emergency room and kind of walk them through um, their healthcare visit in a way that makes it feel, I think, very personalized and builds trust in our healthcare system. So not having to re-explain your entire, entire medical or mental health history um, you know, yeah, it does sound like something that that uh, will kind of remove barriers to people accessing personalized care. So, you know, more than just providers, it's, it's going to take a whole system to make all this happen. Uh, but that first step really often starts with community-based health systems, you know, local providers. So, you know, I wonder if we could get into some of the details of this program that's making such a big impact in Virginia. Teresa, could you tell us about the work you're doing to connect patients to the care that they need at the University of Virginia Health? Certainly, so our team really focuses on a person-centered model of wraparound care um, that really seeks to um, move through all the silos that are historically part of a healthcare system, I think. Um, and so we see and follow the patient wherever they are, whether that's in the emergency room or if they're admitted uh, in a clinic, if they're seeing an outpatient provider in their home, um, if they are homeless on the street, uh, and we connect, try to connect them with whatever resources are available in the community and to make sure they're connected to our internal providers as well. 
Um, our program, because we're under population health at UVA, there's a vast degree of resources and people focused on providing high touch and individualized assistance to people. So um, the behavioral health area, the community paramedicine team, um, we collaborate with our community partners, uh, fire and rescue, people who work with people struggling with housing insecurity. Um, and so we just tried to provide um, high touch person-centered care uh, wherever an individual is. So you are not not just simply you know treating what what a uh, patient comes in is pre- and is presenting with and then showing them the door and saying goodbye. It's not it's not ending there. Well, so many of these individuals struggle with you know multiple chronic medical as well as behavioral health conditions, sure. and there there are many barriers to care, um, such as we'd already talked about homelessness or food insecurity lack of transportation. Um, And a lot of these um, folks also struggle with mental health or substance use disorders. So, you know, there's never just one piece of of what I think someone needs us to think about or address or or care about in in an encounter with someone. So um, just really important to see the whole person and really try to get a sense of really what they're dealing with in the moment. I think what I would add on to that, Teresa, I think you said it really well, is that a couple of issues I see in a large healthcare system, which most of them are now, right, is that is, is silos. And so the, you know, inpatient, hospital-based, ED-based case management and social work team is siloed from our outpatient teams. Um, And I think that that's something that programs under population health, and we're just one of them. There are many other wonderful pop health programs at UVA, but that's what they really are working against and to kind of um, integrate across the continuum of care and to uh, make it so that from the patient's perspective and to be very patient-centered, uh, it, there it isn't siloed. It's all connected. It's all related. And so um, our program, you know, doesn't matter where you are in the healthcare system or if you're at home, ideally, we're still your team. And that's something, you know, that we try to get across to our patients so that they know that it's not that, well, if I'm, you know, in clinic, then I have this team. If I'm in the hospital, I have this team is really tear down those silos. Yeah, and I think that um, there's another aspect in, in which our work kind of transcends the, the, the silo model, which is in, in looking at, at people um, and, and meeting patients where they are, we have the flexibility to be, to address multiple things at once. In, in other words, they're not going to an appointment for a specific condition or um, a, a specific medication, they might be um, they might be dealing with a whole host of problems and we can do in, in our touches, we are able to say team up and, and go to a, a patient's home um, together and and deal with a, a range of issues, which I think makes them oftentimes makes them feel a, a lot more, supported and 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 that we can see the whole person and 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 work to to integrate all the all these elements 
Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me personally. You know, a, a bunch of different things can play into things like depression and, you know, the treatments, medication, talk therapy, what have you. Um, you know, these things are great, but how much better are you going to get if you go home and you don't have food in the cupboard or or you don't have a home to go to, you know? Right. Yeah. And even even navigating the the healthcare system, I mean, for it, it, it helps that we often go to appointments with patients or we are helping them get to appointments and so forth. It, it takes a lot of the, the fear about, about the system and, and, and I think gives them, eventually gives them a, a sense of, of self-efficacy that they can, they can deal with the system on their own, but they usually need help in the, in the short term. I am a uh, patient myself. I, I get behavioral health treatment and the system, yes, is dauntingly complex. Uh, and having someone to help me guide my way through it uh, the initial time was very, very helpful. But Dr. Infuentes, what role do you see technology playing here? How is technology helping you, you know, connect with clinics, primary care providers, medication assisted treatment facilities, health plan care managers, you know, all, all of your partners in care? Yeah, great question. I'll give a couple of examples. One way which, uh, you know, maybe glaringly obvious three years into the pandemic, but is the wonders of virtual meetings um, through things like, you know, Zoom, WebEx, et cetera, and utilizing platforms that are secure. Um, I think back to our program has been in existence since 2018. And one of the really important things that we do is we pull together multidisciplinary team uh, to sort of think about the patients that we enroll from all angles, whether that's the specialist involved in their care, their mental health care workers, social work, often the patient themselves and their loved ones. And we try to get all of those people to the table in a single meeting or more than one meeting to really uh, brainstorm what, what better would look like in their care, to talk about the elements that would go into that individualized care plan. Um, and and pre-COVID, that was always an in-person meeting. We didn't have things like Zoom and WebEx, or they existed, but I didn't use them. So we were reflecting even yesterday as a team, as we had one of these complex care meetings where we had our um, local director of the rescue squad agency, we had a community health worker there too, actually. Uh, we had, um, you know, obstetrics physicians, ER. I mean, we had this huge team of people that were we not utilizing technology, we wouldn't have all been able to meet. You know, we're all in different places doing things in different spaces. So that's one of the biggest ways we use it, honestly, is to coordinate complex care meetings and to be able to have those to wrap around our patients. The second example, of course, I'll use is point-click care and utilizing um, the platform through which we share information through the health information exchange. We recently enrolled a patient who had had all of his care in West Virginia prior to very recently. And without the ability to go into that system and see what hospitals he'd been at and connect with those hospitals and get some records, uh, it would have taken us a lot longer to get up to speed in his care and to be able to help him and help move his plan of care forward. And I think we see you, utilizing that a lot in our patients where 
it's helpful for us to be able to know what other healthcare systems they're touching and collaborate and coordinate with those um, healthcare systems. It's also helpful for many of our patients who can show up to another emergency department and say, I have an individualized care plan. Um, can you please look for that? And they can mention Teresa's name and we can coordinate things electronically through that platform. And that's been um, a real game changer for our program over the last few years. Seems like that could really speed things along process-wise. It is one thing that um, we do that's fairly novel with the point-click care platform is that um, Teresa actually gets real-time alerts. So she gets a kind of a, you know, an email push notification whenever any patient enrolled in our program registers at an emergency department that's on that health information exchange. So it really does facilitate uh, the ability to care coordinate and manage and work with our patients in real time and know that they've, you know, entered another healthcare system. Absolutely. Um, well, Guy, you are, you know, obviously you are a psychotherapist uh, with the medicine home program we're talking about. What results are you seeing right now? I, I, I guess I would say we're not explicitly treating um, patients for their, for their mental health um, diagnoses, um, other than, you know, maybe depression and, and anxiety in, in general. Um, I think it's more um, getting patients accustomed and, and maybe more comfortable or more reconciled to the, the complexities of their, of their physical conditions and to help them, I mean, behaviorally, this means that they're going to be, they're going to be better consumers of, of the medical, you know, medical system and, and, and learn how to use it to their advantage. Um, but I think, I think it's really um, mostly, mostly just, uh, you know, getting them adjusted um, to, you know, what they have to face with, with their medical conditions. And I, but, but I do feel like, uh, you know, over a period of, of pretty intensive touches that, that our team makes with, with these patients, we get them more comfortable with dealing with the system and, and more confident. And, and we eventually, you know, can kind of, I think, sort of launch them, although I, we don't really have statistics for that. Um, but so, so I, I think it's a little bit, a little bit amorphous how we're helping them. Um, it's not in, um, and, and our care plans, apart from the, the, um, the cohort of our patients who are, who have addictions. Um, and with, with those people, I would say um, there, there is help. We, we have had a reasonable amount of success in getting people into um, uh, inpatient and outpatient substance abuse treatment more rapidly or more um, efficiently than, than would have occurred without our, without our navigation. So um, in, in that, that, I think, is there's probably a direct, um, a more direct benefit of, of what we've done. Seems, uh, yeah, unequivocally beneficial. And so, but just so, so I, uh, making sure I'm understanding the successes that you, you are, you know, seeing efforts, you're, these are a lot of 
times in ways where the numbers are going to show up in a variety of you know other areas potentially is that fair to say yeah i think that one of the real challenges of complex care programs is measurement and it's it is hard i think because it's a small population often and they're very high needs and their needs are individualized it's really hard to come up with the right metrics and outcomes and so I do think that what, what I hear Guy describing, which is hard to measure, is that we've seen with so many of our patients who feel very stigmatized, who are marginalized, are often dealing with mental substance health use disorders, as well as homelessness or other housing instability, that they are so mistrustful of the healthcare system, they feel very stigmatized that their receptivity to recommended treatment plans or engaging at all is really low when we start working with them. And that over time, and it's gradual often, but over time through that really high touch method that we've described with just lots of engagement, kind of doing what you say you're gonna do, showing that to the patient, committing to them that they become kind of more receptive, more open, more trusting and they start to engage more in their own care. Um, that doesn't necessarily translate to me saying, you know, now 40% of our patients are compliant with mental health visits or on medication-assisted therapy, right? So it doesn't easily translate to that, um, but we do, I think we're the team that then the patient looks to as their ally. And for many of these patients, they never had anything like that before, um, but that's hard to measure. Helping people be more present and like more actively, uh, you know, involved in their in their episode of care is is really valuable. I think so. Whether whether um, you know it shows up in numbers or not. Uh, well, any final parting thoughts here from any of our guests? Well, for my part, I'm really inspired by everything I've heard. I think there is kind of great opportunity here, but also some really good work that's already happening. So excited that people are kind of sharing this in this format. And ideally speaking, we can get uh, more, more people doing this. Thank you. Thank you. There you have it. I want to uh, thank you, Dr. Zaniello, as well as Dr. Fuentes and uh, Teresa and Guy, all for your time and the really, really great conversation we had today. Well, thank, thank you for having us. Thank you. Absolutely. And we also want to thank our podcast sponsor, Point Click Care. For our audience, you can tune into more podcasts from Becker's Healthcare by visiting our podcast page at beckerspodcasts.com.